Bonjour, I'm Valérie Jardin, the host of Street Focus, and you're listening to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for This Week in Photo is provided by the Cashfly Content Delivery Network. Send your web content blazingly fast with Cashfly. And now, pay as you go. Start with two terabytes free by going to C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com and use the promo code TWIP. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by the brand new TWIP School. You can check it out at school.thisweekinphoto.com. Hey folks, coming up this November 27th through December 10th, I'll be taking a small group of 6 to 11 people on an exclusive 14-day photography adventure through the wonderful country of Vietnam in Southeast Asia. This trip will have a strong emphasis on the Vietnamese culture and will be photographing all the way. Oh, and as a bonus, you can help me celebrate my birthday, which is November 28th, in Hanoi. Get the full details and sign up at twip.com dot pro slash vietnam 2016 that's twip dot pro slash vietnam 2016 this is twip episode 472 defending polycamory this episode is a twip first it's the first time i've recorded an episode of twip live in front of an audience and since i was in chicago speaking at the out of chicago conference and i'm from chicago i thought what a fantastic opportunity to do a live show so we did just that we assembled an all-star cast of photographers and just went for it joining me on the panel were scott Bourne, Derek story ron pepper valerie jardin rob knight and steve brokaw and this might have also been the largest panel i've ever wrangled we discuss all kinds of photography related topics and had a ton of fun along the way. And we take questions from the audience. We tell stale jokes, make political innuendo, and more. You know, kind of just like a regular episode of Twip. And a huge thanks goes out to all of the panel participants and to Chris Smith and team, the masterminds behind the conference, and to Jim Jones for graciously providing the pictures shown in the blog post. This show was recorded Sunday, June 26, 2016, in front of a live studio audience at the Out of Chicago Conference in beautiful Chicago, Illinois. This is TWIP. Welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson. We have an all-star cast lineup for us to uh, pepper with questions and hopefully get good answers. Starting from left to right, this is audio, but you know. Imagine <laughs> left to right, my left to right, Derek Story from the Digital Story and also the nimblephotographer.com. Derek, welcome to the show. Yay, it's great being here in Chicago. Yeah, good. Have any uh, any good experiences shooting? Like, what what good stuff have you captured so far? Well, we went out to Wicker Park yesterday, uh, took the L out, and that was a blast. I want to go back there and explore a cool little community. Cool, cool. very yes. cool, very hipster. Awesome. Well, welcome, welcome to the army up here. Yes, yes, thank you. <laughs> Speaking of army, our general up there, retired General Scott Bourne <laughs> from the Twib Army. Scott, welcome. Thank you. It's an honor to be back on the show. Yeah. What, what have you been up to this weekend? Well, I've been staying in Greek town trying to see how many meals I can eat. <laughs> still working on that? I'm still working on that, but you know what the good thing about being fat is, right? <laughs> you don't have to worry about getting fat. <laughs> Aim high, Scott Bourne. Aim high, man. <laughs> All right. And Mr. Rob Pepper. Welcome, man. Thank you very much. What about you? What's, what's, introduce yourself, because many people may not have heard your name a lot, but... Yeah. You're on the up and up now. What's going on? Yeah, my name is Rob. <laughs> I don't like the laughter. <laughs> like that guy? Yeah. Well, well, thank 
you no, think? More, more compared to his criminal life. Yeah. <laughs> now that you're out, what are you doing? Yeah. Being the new guy to the panel, yeah. yes. Uh, so, uh, out of Chicago, I did a workshop on panoramic photography, which is my specialty the other day, doing some talks on photomatics and combining bracketed exposures and some other panels, as well as just trying to get out and join some photo walks and enjoy this because out of Chicago last year was my favorite conference. I made sure to come back again and be more involved this time, and it's just wonderful. How, how does this one compare to last year? You know, for me, it's that I know a lot more people. I don't know if the conference itself has grown. It has a little more superstar cast, I think, but just a, just a little bit. But the vibe is the same. It's very positive. Everybody's having a great time talking to each other, helping each other on photo walks, comparing and giving advice. And it's just, uh, I, I was a big fan of it, and that's why I wanted to go back and get dive in and be one of the presenters. There you go. Well, I'm glad you're here. Perfect. Thanks. And next up, Miss Valerie Jardin. Hey, Valerie. Hey, guys. What's going on? Hey, you host a show on the TWIP Network, right? <laughs> I do. Oh. Is your logo anywhere? Where's your logo? <laughs> Episode 92. We're almost at 100. Can you believe it? Uh, uh, I'm so glad to be back here. It's just been a, a fantastic weekend. I was here last year, and uh, I, I mean, Chris asked me to come back right away, and I said, yes, I'll be back. And uh, it was fantastic once again. So good to see old friends, meet new friends. Yeah. And uh, it was all about street photography. And, you know, one of the best places to do it, you know, yeah. the streets of Chicago. Yeah, I remember you telling me about your adventures here last year, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. As a lesson, was that when you, like, almost lost your camera? On the yeah, L? that's right. The only close call I've ever had with pickpocketing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, um, but you survived it. You I gave survived him, it. You gave him that, that mom stare, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pushed the guy off the train, actually. <laughs> Wait, off the train or off the platform? Like, off the train okay. before the doors closed, yeah. Very good. Nice. Very good. <laughs> so, anyways, it's, uh, it's great to be back. Very good. Awesome. And one last thing on that. So, Street Focus, tell people about what that show is about. It's all about doing? street photography. Yeah. And it's pretty awesome. So, if any of you don't listen to it yet, well... Hurry up, catch up. And, you have 92 episodes. Valerie will tell you this. Valerie will tell you We were in Paris talking about the concept for this show, for Street Focus, and trying to figure out what the name was. What were some yeah. of the names? Like oh, Street Beat, Street, Street something. Yeah, Street Twip Street. <laughs> yeah, Twip like, Street. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, and then we went with Street Focus. But Valerie was so nervous about starting the show. Like, like, what if this? What if they don't like me? What if they say negative things? Why do they mean? And now. <laughs> and I said they would, didn't I? <laughs> I said they would, and you'll survive. Right. Look at you. Almost at 100. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Very good. And next up, Mr. Steve Brokaw. Hey, Frederick. You've been leading workshops here. Having I a good have, time. Oh, yeah. It's been great. Out of Chicago has been amazing. The vibe's been cool. Um, I've been doing a lot of uh, portrait work, so I actually set up a full studio here. Brought in three lighting setups. Brought in three models from New York, yeah. Louisville, and from here. And then did a couple of... Uh, Yesterday and today, did some street, uh, street focused or street uh, type of work, but brought models out with us. So it was more of a fashion type of uh, shoot on the street, and did some presentations on it as well. So it was a lot of fun. I think it was really interesting because a lot of people do street photography, but you don't have somebody like a professional model come out with you. Uh, so it adds to it. So that was a lot of fun. I think people really enjoyed it. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. So you're having a good time? Oh, I'm having a great time. Yeah. So where, where, are you, where do you hail from? I'm based in Indianapolis. Okay. It's only about two and a half hours from here, so just okay. drive perfect. away. Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Are you going home every day to sleep? Or are you coming? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm actually staying right here, so it actually works out perfectly. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Last but not least, 
Mr. Rob Knight. Hey. Lumix Luminary, travel photographer extraordinaire. Glad to be back. Yeah, what's going on with you? Man, been leading a couple of photo walks and giving some talks this weekend. I've, I've known Chris for a long time. I'm really glad to be at, uh, out of Chicago for the first time. It's yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, this yeah. is good. And look, what have you been shooting out on the streets? Uh, we went to uh, Millennium Park, actually. Yeah. We've been out three times and, and shooting different areas up there. Yeah. Like landscapes or people? or uh, Mostly. Well, you can't help but shoot people over at the Bean and, <laughs> yeah. and that kind of thing. We did have uh, some surprise ballerinas at uh, mm -hmm. uh, Crown Fountain. Yep. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we were shooting, and, and the sun was going down, and it was it was yeah, everybody's like, okay, this is kind of neat. And then all of a sudden, we've got four ballet dancers that were dancing in front of the fountain, so that their friend could shoot them <laughs> just with randomly. their iPhone. Yeah, randomly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So. All right. Well, guys, I wanted to focus. This is going to be a rep, kind of a general conversation, but I wanted to focus the topic on on three main things. The first is we did some sessions earlier today where we were talking about the state of mirrorless technology and it kind of went into a discussion around mirrorless and, and DSLR and sensor sizes and all that stuff. So I want to continue that a little bit with you guys because, you know, cumulatively you guys probably have every or had every camera known to man except Valerie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Valerie, <laughs> Valerie is a self-professed, I don't care about technology, I just want to get the picture photographer, which is very good. Very good. So starting with you, Derek. You know, yep. with, so to put a fine point on it, the discussion earlier, we were talking about sensor sizes. So we've got you know one-inch sensors, uh, APS-C size sensors, micro four-thirds, full frame. That's the range. Right. What's the right one? Oh, Frederick. <laughs> <laughs> I told him this morning at breakfast, I was like, yeah, you're going to get me with these zingers, aren't you? Yes. <laughs> The right sensor for everyone in every situation, of course. Oh, okay. What's my desert island sensor? Want to go that way? There you go. Okay. There you go. My desert island sensor is okay. I'm thinking if I'm on a desert island, then I'm probably shooting landscape, not a whole lot of people. Right. <laughs> Depends right. on the island, right? right? You didn't say population, yeah, right? <laughs> I don't have to travel a whole lot, so I don't have to worry about bag size and all that sort of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. So if I'm on a desert island, do I get to have any camera I want? Any camera you want. Any camera. So if yeah. I'm on a desert island, I get to have any camera I want, which is probably the only time I will ever get any camera I want. I would pick the new Hasselblad then. Oh, nice. Yeah. The, the catch is you don't get a computer. You just get the Sorry, Derek. Man, there's always a catch. Always a catch. You gotta think through those wishes, yeah, man. Come on. Those basic genie 101. I'm still sticking with my answer, though. Alright, cool. Scott Horry, what about you, man? Well, you? well, you know, other than getting discounts on the buffet, the other advantage of being old is that, uh, you know, I've shot with just about everything, and I, I, I think there's a different mindset now than there used to be because now I'm very comfortable using two or three different systems because I have one system for this, one system for that. Yeah. Back in the day, you, you typically were you know, a Nikon person or a Pentax person. or you, know, you were what you were and that was it. But now we have so many good cameras and they're so affordable and they're so amazing that you might have, you know, I've recently switched to Panasonic. Uh, you might have the, the mirrorless Panasonic for some work, but for my bird work, 
you know, I went and bought the big beefy 1DX Mark II and I still got the 4, 5, 6, and 800 lenses because there's simply nothing that can replace them yeah. for the kind of work that I do. So if I'm on that desert <laughs> there, I'm looking for birds, I'm bringing my 800 and the 1DX Mark II. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's just, I think that one thing I've noticed from our audiences, you know, the various podcasts that I've been on, that a lot of people shoot more than one system now, which I do think is kind of a new twist on things. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's a perfect segue. Yeah. <laughs> you know I'm going to ask you, right? <laughs> Remember your phrase from this morning? What was it? Uh, I proclaim that I am polycamerous. <laughs> polycamerous. And that is the title of this episode, by the way. <laughs> First episode got the title. <laughs> <laughs> okay, in that with your with your sister cameras, what, what are they? <laughs> <laughs> My Nikon is very dependable. It's always there when I need it. Uh -huh. Always does what I ask. Doesn't, yes. doesn't ask too much in return. <laughs> it's very comfortable to use. Yeah. Yeah. My Olympus, a little sleek, a little sexy, does new things. <laughs> Things your Nikon refuses to do. Right? Okay. Nikon's just not comfortable. Nikon just says no. I'm does, not having. It. Does things Nikon has never thought of. You know, this is a podcast. Your wife's not going to listen. Right. You know, I, I wrote a little article that I haven't decided if I'm going to post. If this is about it, you now have my blessing. Okay. I, I wrote a little article. It was about as long as it's, I've already given the whole thing to you. <laughs> but it, it was along that line. I think I had, okay, here's a story. Driving home, listening to Twip. They're having a similar conversation with innuendo Phil. I don't remember who was on. Probably not me. It was you. <laughs> and during that time, they were talking about this. And, and I remember I said to myself, if I were sitting there, I thought, oh, wait for it all the cameras and I thought now I know other people have thought of this word but I did on my own it's the first time I've heard it so it's okay, yours thanks. Yeah. and I think you know that, that night I get home and I just pounded out a article and uh, I put it in the draft folder for a photo focus where I started doing some, and I don't I don't know if it's going to go anywhere but apparently it, it is it's going to be published as of this <laughs> you got it. I think you know I'm not first draft goes out just the way it is and on that article you have the link to this I will <laughs> I will happily do so Awesome. Uh, oh, what a thing to be known for. All right. So just to bring it, bring it full circle. My, oh, I'm sorry. And my wife yeah. read it. I said, is this funny? She's funny yeah. and brilliant and all that. And she'll tell me photo-wise, whatever, crap. Oh, yeah, you need that one. You know, she'll, she's very good for that. So I said, yeah. honey, is this, is this funny? Is this, do you think people, is this just me? She's like, no, that has, that, that's good. I, and she gave me a couple ideas, too, that I still need to add in. So. It's approved. It's approved. There you go. So, so full, sensor, full circle on the sensors. Sensor size. Which, what's the right one? I thought we've established that my desert island is Utah. Yeah. <laughs> my, my desert island is, uh, is Tenerife, I guess. That's desert, isn't it? That's Spain, yeah. yeah. So I get to bring both, right? Yeah. So you're going to bring two. I'm a rule changer. Okay. Nonconformist. <laughs> Look at that, Rupert. Valerie. I'm, I'm not going to any desert island. Climate <laughs> <laughs> change do that may be Paris. Well, yeah, this is not desert. De uh, deserted. I need people. Uh -huh. And I'll bring my Fuji, because that's all I care about. <laughs> <laughs> not that you're myopic or anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring the Fuji X100T there. 
And although I have the X Pro 2 and it's a fine camera, mm -hmm. but uh, no, it still does. And a computer. I'm still not friends with it. Uh, so it will be the Fuji and, yeah, a little computer little if computer. I can. Oh, wait, why does she get a computer? She asked for a computer, but she doesn't say anything about power, so. Oh. <laughs> I have a battery. That's good. You know power on the island, so. Oh. Yeah. Sir? Yeah, I shoot uh, primarily in studio, so mm -hmm. I do a lot of fashion work, and so I, um, I'm a lot like Scott. It doesn't really matter, but in studio, I shoot full frame. Uh, so I use DSLRs, uh, but when I do my street work, when I just go out and play around, I'm using a mirrorless system, mm -hmm. and um, I sometimes use a mirrorless system in the studio just for fun, behind-the-scenes stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and then I also shoot film, so I guess that's the original full frame. Yeah. Uh, so yes, I'll go out. Steve and I've been talking a lot about film. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll just go out and I'll just buy a camera. I uh, try to get one camera a week, a new one, and just use expired film and go out and shoot it. So really, to me, it doesn't really matter. But in the studio work, the paid stuff, it's DSLR, full frame, everything else, it's what I have available. And so, um, you know, I'm attracted to the Fuji film stuff, the Sony, the Panasonic. Um, but yeah, uh, mirrorless is perfect for that yeah. for that world. Yeah. So you, you on the island you'd have a medium format or the the full frame like yeah DSLR. probably yeah probably full frame D810 something D8 like that and yeah. a couple models and yeah. a couple <laughs> models. The island is out of control. That sounds like the island. You're breaking the design. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Can I have my <laughs> turn back? <laughs> Let that go by, sir. Yeah. Sorry. Steve gets two models. I just got two cameras. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like some bartering's going to happen. <laughs> Rob, what about you? Uh, obviously, I use Panasonic cameras, and the GX8 would be my my desert island camera. Yeah. I think the Micro Four Thirds offers the for me the combination of size and image quality and a little bit of video and that kind of stuff. So, so the 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 crux of the question, which was tongue in cheek, was what's the right camera size. So how do you, when people come up to you guys, they're like, hey, you know, Scott Warren, which camera should I buy? You've heard this before. About thousand. 12 million times. Yeah. So, you know, then it goes back. Obviously, the answer is it depends on what you're shooting, how much money you have. Yeah, yeah, right. The answer to every question in photography is it depends. Yeah. Period. But yeah, I, I, I just, you know, if I was John Shaw, I'd say the right one. That's what he used to say. Um, I, I, I try to find out right away what, you know, there are three basic criteria for me. What do you want to shoot? How experienced are you? And what's your budget? Now, if I had a fourth criteria, it'd be this is a sleeper question to ask, but it really helps people that are on a low budget. What do your friends shoot? Because if all your friends are Canon shooters, for instance, and you got little budget, maybe you each buy a Canon body and then you share lenses. That is one really great way to do things. But um, you know, if, I, if you're a bird shooter, you need the big glass like I've got, you know. But if you're if you're just doing street work like Valerie does, maybe the, the Fuji X100T is the only camera you need. So you really need to talk about this from the perspective of what's your experience level, what are you trying to do, and what's your budget. There's the, the great news is, I mean, going back 30, 40 years ago, the cameras we had, the lenses in particular, just weren't as good as what you can buy now for very little money. There are no bad cameras. That's the great news. Yeah. It's is a really it, is, wonderful is time to be a system these days as permanent as it used to be? It used to be, you know, the, we used to tell people just invest your money in the glass because the bodies are going to change. But now there's so many different things to consider 
Is it is buying into a particular camera system still a long-term proposition, or is it shorter? Like, okay, if I decide I'm going to go Panasonic and, and get the GX8, now I'm getting Micro Four Thirds. Does that mean I'm stuck there and I, I can't go to something else, Derek? What do you think? I don't think so. I mean, I think the aftermarket's so strong right now, and. Uh, I didn't sell off all my Canon stuff when I started shooting Olympus, but I sold a lot of it, probably you know over half of my lens inventory, mm -hmm. and it sold great. I mean, it, there wasn't a problem with that at all, and because the uh, Micro Four Thirds lenses were a little less expensive than the Canon lenses, I you know I came out you know fairly well on that deal. So I think that you know you we it's more fluid now than it was before, and I think it's a little we have more places to sell our stuff too, yeah. you know. So that that's nice. Uh, so I buy and sell a lot, and, and I don't feel like I'm stuck in, in any of them. It's more fluid now for you. We are fluid. Yeah. yeah. That's, an, that's an advantage to everyone out there having a good camera now. Everyone can get a good photograph. That just yeah. means that the aftermarket is mm -hmm. just viral. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, it's, it's great. So now, continue, continue. Oh, go ahead, oh, I just want to think, uh, the thing about uh, aftermarket, there are different places, and like, for instance, you know, I... Uh, and I don't want to discount any of them, but I would say that if you're going to buy on eBay, you need to be more knowledgeable. And then, or, you know, in, if you want to go somewhere where maybe it's not quite so wild, not quite the, the bizarre, uh, then you can go with someone like, you know, the KEH camera or Robert's camera or someone that has a, a good reputation and actually tests the gear before they ship it to you. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there is, if you're looking to buy, uh, there is a few things to consider. I'd like to formally invite you to check out the brand new TWIP School. You've learned so much from the amazing TWIP hosts and guests over the years. Now, within the TWIP School, you can continue that learning and dive deeper on a variety of photographic and business topics. There are already several great courses to choose from in the school, and we will be adding new courses often. Right now, you can learn about fashion photography from Lucas Passmore, Final Cut Pro 10 for photographers, and Time Lapse with Lee Herbert, Marketing for Photographers with Zach Prez, and even time travel for photographers with yours truly. And to kick things off, you can check out the school today with a course that we've made available for free for a limited time only. And that's Five Habits of Highly Effective Photographers. It's an inspirational course designed to help you get more done and stay focused. So head over to the brand new TWIP school now at school.thisweekinphoto.com. That's school.thisweekinphoto.com. I, I want to I switch gears a little bit and talk about the, so we, we, we're talking about these traditional, quote, camera or sensor sizes with one inch all the way up through the full frame. What if you go in the opposite direction, right? So we're seeing every year we see a better and better and better iPhone camera. Is that the direction where things are going? I mean, I've, see, I've interviewed and spoken with lots of, you know, young and upcoming photographers and all they shoot is iPhone for Instagram and they have clients that hire them to do Instagram campaigns for ridiculous amounts of money. They don't care about the SLRs. They don't care about mirrorless. That's for, you know, us older people, right? So, I don't know. Ron, you, you going to take this? you think this is the next generation that people are just going to be better with their cell phones? I think it's, it's added to the mix. It's kind of, I think of it in a way like a competition because there's all of these different genres and there's all these different styles and specialties in, in photography. Why isn't that one of them to use a smartphone? Mm -hmm. uh, I, the, the, the quality of images that I get from the smartphone, I'm very happy with for what I expect. Mm -hmm. If I have a job where I'm being paid for, I'm bringing the right equipment and I'm going to get it. But 
if I'm taking family things, fun things to post, I don't see I don't see any problem with that. And uh, it's just a separate separate style. Valerie, do you, do you oh, agree I, with that? I agree. I mean, especially in street photography, I mean, the camera should really become an extension of your vision. It should not get in the way. You don't have time to worry about settings. You have to move so quickly. So, uh, the more you limit yourself with with that, the better you're going to be at seeing. Mm -hmm. And uh, going out with your phone is a great exercise in, mm -hmm. um, in, in learning to see. Yeah. Because it takes the technical part of the way and, uh, and you focus on seeing. Yeah. Can and you see yourself, like if, if a future iPhone model, say this next one that's coming or the one after that, gets really, really good, can you see yourself dropping your Fuji and just going out with your phone in your back pocket? No, but um, <laughs> don't push it. <laughs> it would have to look as good as my Fuji. Uh, no, but I, I occasionally just go, like, you know, when I'm on vacation and I go for walks on the beach when I'm back at home in France, and I just do my iPhone photography in the morning because I don't want to take anything. I have my phone in my pocket. And, but if I see something, yeah, I'll grab the shot with the iPhone. And every morning I said, here's my iPhone shot of the day. And it's, it's people usually, that, mm -hmm. um, and, uh, but it's an iPhone. And uh, the quality, I mean, in the right light, the quality is awesome. Yeah, Nobody absolutely. can tell the difference. Yeah, if it's getting better and better, hey, yeah. It, I mean, it's definitely going to, as you said, the younger generation doesn't, doesn't use cameras. Mm -hmm. it, it keeps you off the pro photographer radar too. Mm -hmm. I mean I can move around and do things with the iPhone that I can't do with a camera that looks more professional. So I, I get hassled less. I'm just some tall geeky tourist now with, a, yeah. with an iPhone and people, oh, you know, he's crazy. He's, he seems very obsessed with you know what he's doing at the moment, but he's still shooting with an iPhone so you know we're not going to bother him. And, and I like that part of it. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. So friction is dropping, and more and more people will be shooting, and we'll have more places to share over time. Mr. Brokaw, what about you? I mean, in the studio. Yeah, I think it really depends. It's more like what Scott was saying. It depends on the environment. So when I'm shooting in the studio, the clients don't want me to whip out my iPhone. <laughs> so they, they expect a professional look, and a DSLR tends to have a professional look today. Um, however, the models, the agents, everyone takes uh, behind the scenes shots. And so they're whipping out their iPhone to do Snapchat and do Instagram. And, and for that, it's perfect. Mm -hmm. uh, but in the studio, it's almost always uh, a DSLR system or a pretty high-end uh, you know, mirrorless system. But out on the street, when we do street work, mm -hmm. uh, an iPhone's perfect, especially yeah. for things like video, slow motion, panoramic. It does some great work. Yeah. Um, but so it, I mean, even with that, and you know, we've all seen Apple's ad campaign, these billboards shot on iPhone, these giant, beautiful shots. Could that be working towards change, changing the perception that these, you know, size mm -hmm. doesn't matter when it comes to cameras? Yeah, I think it's possible. I mean, you look back five years ago for street photography. When I started, everybody had a DSLR mm -hmm. on street yeah, photography. I did. Mm -hmm. And now... If you have a DSLR and you put it on the, t on the table when Valerie has a shot, you're the only one that has a DSLR. So yeah, I think it could change, yeah. but I think for now, uh, at least in studio work, it's still, the equipment has a certain vibe that you have to give out. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think it could be in the future. But it would change over time. Yeah. You know, as, so. as people get more knowledgeable about sensor size, right. doesn't necessarily equal right. higher quality or less quality. Right. Definitely. Travel. Can you see yourself just hopping on a plane to Costa Rica with just an iPhone and some... Chargers for it? 
I don't think so. I think, I think Ron made a good point. There doesn't have to be an either or mm -hmm. thing. You know, sometimes sometimes you take the iPhone and sometimes not. When we were shooting uh, at the park today, um, I got my iPhone out to make a panoramic shot because yeah. it does a great job of stitching that. Sure. So, um, you know, that's, I'm not going to make a giant print of that or anything like that. So um, I'm not going to deliver those images to clients. Again, if you're shooting for Instagram, you know, nobody's looking at it bigger than this. So what difference does it make? But yeah. I don't think it has to be a... And I, the idea of replacing something, it could be just an another and. thing. That's an and, not an or. Right. Hey, folks, just a quick heads up. There are still a few spots left on my Vietnam North to South adventure. Just as a recap, this November 27th through December 10th, I'm taking a small group of 6 to 11 people on an exclusive 14-day photography adventure through the wonderful country of Vietnam in Southeast Asia. The locations that we'll be visiting include Hanoi, Halong Bay, Hoi An, Saigon, also known as Ho Chi Minh City, and the Mekong Delta. We have some great activities planned, including photo walks, foodie walks, if you happen to like great food. We'll also visit some of Vietnam's most amazing markets and temples, and much, much more. Also, we'll have dinner floating on Ha Long Bay and wake up to the most amazing view you've ever seen. And don't worry, there'll be plenty of free time for you to explore and discover each location at your own pace. And your fee covers just about everything, including all flights within the country, accommodations at conveniently located three- and four-star boutique hotels, most meals, local guides, air-conditioned vehicles, all entry fees for our group activities, and two internal flights. And the cost for this amazing 14-day, 13-night trip is just $3,899 for double occupancy. Or if you want your own room, just add $599 and you can have your own room with your own privacy. So come join me for the time of your life later this year in Vietnam and, of course, help me celebrate my birthday in the wonderful city of Hanoi. Get all the details and register now at twip.pro slash Vietnam 2016. That's twip.pro slash Vietnam 2016. All right, guys, I want to switch the, the discussion to money and money making and how, how we, had a, we had a panel discussion earlier today or about an hour ago about how to make money with your photography. I think it was really interesting and you guys all make money with photography in various ways. So I think it'll be interesting for the audience and the listening audience to kind of understand the good, the bad, and some of the ugly in terms of being a sole, a sole proprietor, creative person in 2016, 2017. You want to start? How are you, how are you generating income to, to pay the bills at the end of the month? Education. Yeah. Like Education photography. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I got into photography because I enjoyed it. And... Um, I've been in the tattoo business in one way or another for 27 years, so I have the art for hire job already, and I didn't want photography to be that. Mm -hmm. So um, I didn't really set out to be a professional photographer, and I didn't want to get myself in a position where I have to shoot this and deliver it by this time in order to pay my bills. So um, I found I had a knack for teaching, and I enjoy it, so um, I was able to make money doing that. All right, and, that, and that's going well for you? Yeah. yeah. And you're traveling to where? You travel... Outside the U.S.? I do. I do Costa Rica regularly. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. You have slots open on your next? I do. It's September. <laughs> 10th through the 17th. Um, cool. Steve Robo, what about you, man? How, yeah. how, do you, how do you bring in the money? A um, little different. I have a studio, so I have to cover the cost of a studio. I have the advantage with, like, a lot of people here is I have a full-time day job, too. So when I first started off, that paid the bills. Um, and so it gave me the ability to migrate across to where now my photography business uh, is self-funded and allows me to travel and allows me to buy the equipment and keep the studio up. 
And it's basically just through uh, word of mouth, having a good product, putting a good product out there, contacting people that want your product, contacting agencies, con keeping yourself visible, constantly giving uh, good quality stuff. Mm -hmm. So through social media, people have contacted me regularly. So I basically uh, don't do any real advertising. And just through all the agents, uh, generally bring all the business to me. So it's really morphed in the last three years since you and I first initially talked, where I was barely covering my cost. Now it's it can be a, a self-funding business. Very good. Congratulations. Thanks. You're having a good time. Oh, it's been amazing. Yeah, yeah. it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm following you. Your Instagram profile is prolific. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very, I enjoy it. Very good. Valerie, what about you? Where, where's um, your money coming from? Well, I was a I was a commercial photographer for uh, quite a few years before I started teaching, and. Um, when I started teaching workshops, well, it, just, it kind of happened overnight. You know, I went from teaching one workshop one year, um, international workshop, to teaching nine the following year, and they filled up. So uh, I kind of jumped with both feet, and I never looked back. I mean, it's like I never regretted letting go of my commercial photography business. Um, I shoot entirely for me now. I don't have to please anyone but me. Uh, and it's a good place to be. Yeah. So, um, so I, workshops is how I make a living. Um, but besides that, you know, now I, well, I do a lot of other things. You, I, when you when you make a living out of your photography, I mean, you kind of have to diversify, and uh, and and you never know. I mean, my my legs are. I mean, I make a living with my with my feet, really, because when I'm on a workshop, I walk miles and miles and miles every day. Well, yes, you have I to, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so you have to, you know, I have to make sure that, well, if something happened to me, you know, how am I going to make a living, you know, if I have to stop teaching for six months or whatever. So uh, speaking engagements, uh, passive income through writing e-books, uh, doing now tutorials um, or live action courses for lynda.com. Things like that, so you really have to, to diversify, and then podcasting, and and so forth. So it's all about photography, um, teaching. I, I do critiques online as well. So things that you know, things that I do between workshops as well, and things that could, if I was to phase out the workshop, you know, several years down the road, you know, other ways to make a living from my from my art. So yeah, you can't hang by one string. That's right. Yeah. Mr. Pepper, what about you? Where's the, where's the loot coming from? Also, uh, I'm very diversified. Uh, <laughs> although it's all within photography, I don't have a day job exactly, but I, I do have a wonderful client, which is a software company for high dynamic range. And so if anybody writes in with questions regarding photomatics, I'm one of the people that helps that. Uh, I also have started doing some articles and things on Photofocus, the man next to me here. Uh, Photography-wise, though, I, I specialize very very focused specialization in panoramic photography. So uh, anything from uh, small businesses, I live in San Francisco and small businesses there do 360 shots for anything from Google Maps to their own websites, virtual tours for different things from preferably hotels is what I like to do. Uh, but that, that, that's pretty diversified too. Small businesses, homes, hotels, I've done a hospital, <laughs> things like this. Yeah. And uh, as far as that goes, I'm just, I'm just uh, Strictly hired to create something and deliver it and done. I don't license exactly things like that. So. 
Scott Boren, I know everybody wants to know how you make your money. How does, how does Scott Boren keep himself flush in, you know, your fleet of Teslas? <laughs> I don't own a Tesla. Um, well, you know, I think the answer is to be very diversified. Um, I think you have to have, I, I use the rule of trying to figure out how I'm going to get paid seven times for everything I do. Uh, now Repurposing I, content? Yeah, and, and I'm officially retired. I, I made my money, and I, now I'm kind of back into it by just getting pulled back in by Rich asking me to help again with Photofocus. But I ended up getting a bunch of clients again in bird photography, and it's just like I'm right back in the middle of everything. But I, I think, you know, the old methods that we used to rely on stock and stuff, that's pretty much gone. Mm -hmm. But by specializing in certain, I think for me what's been successful is because I'm such a niche specialist, Everyone knows if you need a bird photograph to call me. You know, I'm not going to compete with anybody else on this panel for any other kind of photography, but I do bird photographs and I do them all over the world and I've gotten pretty good at it. Uh, and um, I, I have found that clients like Adobe and Apple and Cinevate and people that are in our industry want those images and footage to use to demonstrate their products. That's been a really good place for me. Yeah. And we, we do a lot of direct marketing. We, we do, I, have, I create good old-fashioned smile and dial operations where I employ telemarketers and they buy a list and we're like, okay, there happens to be 1.2 million businesses in North America with the name Eagle. <laughs> and I happen to have 400,000 Eagle photographs. So <laughs> there's a marriage. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know, we have people calling all day, would you be interested in licensing any Eagle photographs for your business? And sometimes yeah. people say yes, so I get a check. But how do, you, how do you know how to do that stuff? I mean, you, you and Skip Cohen wrote a book, right? In 2010, we wrote a book called Going Pro for um, um, Amphoto. Mm -hmm. And it just comes from, you know, I, I started out in this business realizing you've got to be good at one thing to make a living, and that's sales. I sucked as a photographer. But I was great as a salesman. I said, you know, I can learn this photography thing someday. So <laughs> I was selling photography long before I was any good at it. <laughs> so it's just you have to have a heart for understanding something that Zig Ziglar used to say about sales. And he was my sales mentor. You know, sales isn't something you do to somebody. It's something you do for somebody. You know, we are all in this business making these images, and we're solving problems. I just challenge everybody in this room. Go out today in Chicago, walk down one city block, and count how many images you see. It will be hundreds. Guess what? Somebody got paid for every single one of them. Somebody had a problem, an image maker solved that problem. There can still be a way to make a living in this business, but you do have to hustle a lot harder than we used to. Yeah. And you have to be diversified. I write books. I'm on my, working on my 11th book. I do occasional once or twice a year workshop, occasional speaking. Uh, I, you know, I help Rich run PhotoFocus, which is now a big conglomerate with 35 people involved in it. Mm -hmm. You just have to touch a lot of different places. and But I think the real secret, if I were trying to start out today, is to find a niche and just stay there. Like, just really commit to it, no matter how hard it is at first. Own that spot. And then get known as the person who does that. Like, be a locomotive photographer or, you know... And you know, find an entomologist and take pictures of ant brains. I mean, find something very specific. Uh, you know. <laughs> so be be synonymous with something. Yeah, be a, be be like you know. I'm I'm most people in the business that buy bird photographs know me. So that for me is a lucky thing because 
they'll say, by any chance, do you have a reddish egret white phase morph? And I'm like, well, if I do, what's it worth to you? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Cool. Derek Story, you're diversified. Yeah, I, I, I call it revenue streams, uh, same thing. Uh, and, um, you know, having uh, worked for an employer at one time and having a single revenue stream and then have that dry up instantly in a room with a bunch of other people who had their revenue stream dry up at the same moment, uh, you know, I sort of realized that diversification is not such a bad idea. Uh, and, but uh, I think uh, along the lines of what a, a lot of folks are saying here is combining your photography with something else that you're good at. And I, and I think that is really important on a couple levels because uh, you have to be willing to work a lot of hours. And, uh, and those hours are, uh, will pass quickly and enjoyably if you're combining your photography with something else that you really feel good about, that you know a lot about. And then suddenly and you hear it all the time, that, well, I can't believe I'm getting paid for this. Well, but I'm happy, but I'm <laughs> happy, but I can't. And, and that, that usually comes from someone that is doing work that they really enjoy. So I, you know, the advice that I give people is don't think of photography as an end to itself, but a combination with something else that you're good at or that you have knowledge in. And then you have a, a powerful marriage that I think you can uh, do something with. And then the other thing is, uh, Steve was talking about this, and I, and I did this too, which is uh, don't give up your day job uh, necessarily too quickly. Uh, day jobs are good in a lot of ways, and including uh, discipline and, and contacts. Like the nine years I worked for Riley Media, I made uh, 30 years worth of contacts, you know? And I mean, that really helped me a lot. So uh, keep your day job and evolve into uh, your, your encore career, if you want to call it that. Uh, but whatever it is, but you know, be strategic about it and be a good businessman. I like that, encore career. Yeah. I want to add something about Derek, because he didn't say it, but I. <laughs> He's a world-class writer. Oh, yeah. And I think that that's the one thing that I tell people. If you want to be a, a published photographer, learn how to be a published writer. Yes, it helps. If you, you write for Macworld, right? Hmm? Did you write articles for Macworld? Yeah, I was, uh, I was uh, on, uh, probably still on the masthead, actually. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I have over, you know, 20 books. I, you know, I write, 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 I write every day. I probably write over 1,000 words every day. And uh, so uh, writing is a great combination with photography because what are you trying to do? You're trying to tell a story. You're trying to convey something that happened. And the picture uh, can be a very important component of it. But, uh, you know, we were talking about this. You add just a, a little bit of, 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 use one of Scott's terms, pithy uh, verbiage. Uh, uh, then, then you have a powerful message. So writing is, is a good ten. And then add that to something you know a lot about. Yeah. All right. So uh, I want to back up a little bit, and we the consensus is diversification. I agree with it. So, but if you when you look at it from the standpoint of trajectory from beginning photographer to advanced amateur to pro, where does diversification fit in? In other words, should they build it in at the when they're just deciding to go that they might go pro at some point? Or is diversification a point that you reach in your career where you get to this certain level and now it's time for you to start teaching and start doing digital courses and all that? Or should it be from the beginning? Do you want to start with hmm. Well, Derek mentioned adding something that you're good at to your photography. Um, and I think that's important. And that kind of, I think probably for everybody on this panel, it happened 
organically. Yeah. yeah. We got into photography. We like making pictures. Um, you know, Scott's a good salesman. I, I'm good teacher. So we, we added that to our photography. Um, I know when I was learning to be a photographer, I tried everything. Yeah. And, you know, I focused on studio photography and learned how to use lights. And I focused on, you know, everything I could get my hands on to learn. And that took me to what I enjoy doing. And that brought me into what I teach now and, and what I turned into a job. Yeah. So it was all really organic for me. I think I think most people are like that. Yeah. What do you guys think? What do you guys think? Is it is it trajectory, is it trajectory driven or is it serendipity driven? You have to learn your craft. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's a, regardless of what your trajectory is, you have to know you know what you're doing and you have to understand your craft inside and out, so that you can use it. I mean, Valerie's talking about this, where it becomes an extension of your vision. If you're if you're over on the wrong side of the brain thinking about you know exposure compensation to the point that it disrupts the image, then you have a, a problem. So you have to you have to learn your craft so that it becomes natural to to let the messaging come through you. Yeah. So I think while you're learning you know what to do, uh, be very very good at photography. Yeah, I I got to say that I wish I was smart enough to have concocted what happened to me. Uh, you know, but I can promise you I wasn't. But Rob said something that's true. You know, it, it's more or less an organic process. My grandpa lived just long enough to talk to me when I was about eight years old. I got to remember one, maybe one conversation with him, and he told me, "Don't chase women or money, because if you do, you'll never find either. If you if you chase your passion, both will find you." And in my case, he was half right. So. <laughs> I'm trying to help you see that's how I as a host I have to let it go into the gutter and then bring it back up. So no, I mean it's it's all about following I mean I follow my heart. I mean so many people asked me like three, four, five years ago and we we're just talking about that. So where do you see yourself in three four I I didn't picture myself here, you know, uh, four years, five years ago, of course. I mean, I, I was listening to, to Scott on Going Pro and, uh, and Photo Focus, you know, several years ago, and yeah. there I am sitting by him. Um, but, you know, I always followed my heart. You have to make things happen. Things don't come to you, you know. Yeah. You have to make things happen. You have to position yourself and, you know, meet the right people, but they, they don't come to you. You have to, to, to make everything happen and, uh, and then know how to use those connections and, uh, and follow your heart, follow your passion, be, be true to yourself. I mean, be who you are. It's the easiest way to be and it's the best way to be consistent. Yeah, and, it's the uh, and that's, yeah, it's the only way to be, so... Uh, and then, you know, it, I'm going to do this as long as it's fun. If it stops being fun, I'll do something else. Because you can't fake it. You have to be able to communicate that passion, and that has to be completely genuine. Yeah. And, and I think the way, the way to kind of create your own luck, so to speak, is just get involved in the community. Because you're going to meet, I mean, coming to things like this if possible, but uh, local communities too. I remember that jumping off point where I needed to stop working in non-photography because what I do requires travel and I would I couldn't turn down those at that point not so often jobs and and potentially lose a job so I had to jump off 
but luckily I'd been really working with people that I knew in the area already that got me involved in, in my now diversification. So that's why I've always, for since maybe a dozen years or so, I've been involved with uh, software in one way or another, whether it's demoing it or helping out with it or uh, testing it or so. However it is, that was what helped me yeah. to have my life preserver so that if I don't have a busy time that I'm, I'm still working. So that was how I kind of solved it, but it was also very organic. It isn't what would work for everyone. So get involved, find the things, people around you are gonna ask you to do things and engage with them and take the opportunities. If someone asks you to post an article, post an article. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you never know what's gonna happen with that. So just to wrap it up, we're almost out of time again. See how fast TWIP goes? That's why TWIPs get to two hours. <clears throat> so if you if you look at this from the standpoint of corp of life of life cycle of the career of a photographer, and and contrast it with corporate. So corporate life cycle, someone joins a company, they ascend the corporate ladder, and then eventually, if they're lucky, they you know in the old days at least they retire, or in the Silicon Valley days they vest and go to another company or start another <laughs> company. You know, so there's but there's a life cycle and how these things play out. Even in the, the professional services field, like with doctors and lawyers, those type of folks, they get their license, you know, hopefully open a practice, and then retire and happily ever after. What's the life cycle for photographers? Is there one? <laughs> I'm never going to retire. Me neither. Flat that out, be never going to retire. Yes. I can tell you that right now. Mm -hmm. Now, I may become more picky about what projects I, I take, mm -hmm. uh, but I... I mean, all I would do if I retired is be doing the same thing. Yeah. So, you know, you retire to take photos. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to travel the world and take photos. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, uh, and, and I love that thought because I don't really want to retire. I mean, I, uh, I, you know, it's funny, you know, I watch my parents who, who are more the traditional thing. You work hard, you, you work for a company that you may or may not like, you can't wait to retire, then you retire, mm -hmm. and then you sort of figure out the next phase of your life. Mm -hmm. And I, I just go, man, I just don't want to have anything to do with that. Yeah, so no retirement? No retirement. And Frederick, you know, I think what I'm still in the, the corporate life. And what I find is for a lot of people that are coming into the corporate life, uh, a lot of people that work for me, what we find is that the traditional, you get a job, you have a career path, you retire, is gone. Mm -hmm. Very few corporations do that anymore. Um, so you have to, if you have the passion for photography, if you have a day job, you know, develop that passion and develop that expertise in photography and do it almost like a parallel path. And they'll become a point where you say, you know, now I'm ready to break off and yes. do photography full time. Yeah. Um, and then you develop your various income streams. You don't go and say, I'm a podcaster and uh, I write blogs and I do photography and I do workshops. Because then they're going to say, what are you really good at? Right. So it's no different than a corporation. You know, what's your core competency? And then work off of that. And so you're going to get to a point, like myself, where you get to the point and say, it's time to give up the day job and just focus on the photography. And that's a good place to be. Yeah, it is a good place. Scott Bourne, you know, some people might say you're the Michael Jordan of photography in terms of retirement. I suck at it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I perpetually retire and unretire. But Derek, Derek Everything has got, must go. Derek, Derek's right. I mean, I've just concluded that it is I, not for me. I'll be out there at Green Cay in Florida in a wheelchair with my 800 millimeter lens. That's exactly it. And and then they'll just say, "Oh, he just he just went over the edge." I guess that was it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I've been retired three times, yeah. and I've done some fantastic things in my life. Yeah. 
And every single time I try, the siren song of the camera calls me back. If this stuff is truly your passion, I got news for you folks. You ain't getting away from it. <laughs> and that's the only way, by the way, that this stuff actually ends up making you a living. You have to believe in this. I, had, I, I mean, some people know about my picture, Cranes and the Firemen. That's 13 years of my life making that photograph. If you don't have passion, then you're just completely retarded. At that point. I mean, you know, it's just, you know, you're just, you are in the wrong place. I think, I think this is a great thing about this business. We can do it. I mean, I know some guys that have done it until their 80s, and they're happy. And they're making their clients happy. And we can do it, you know, with these new cameras getting so, like the new Panasonic GX8, which I just got one. That thing's freaking crazy what it'll do compared to what cameras did 30 years ago. I, I, think, I think all of us should pray to not be able to retire. And, and we're never there. We never stop growing. I mean, nobody can ever, if a photographer thinks that they're there, it's like, well, then right. you're always the practicing. camera. You yeah. know? You're always you just, yeah, you're, you're always growing. Yeah. And that's, I, re that's, I remember I was in a camera store once, Valerie, and and uh, the guy walks in, he's talking to the thing, and he's asking about some color film. He says, yeah, I mastered black and white last week. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Serious, true story. So. <laughs> All right, guys, so let's switch gears and, uh, and take some audience questions. Who wants to ask a question to the panel? You often spoke at the tripod police. Mm -hmm. I'm curious if the panels notice any difference in Chicago. Yeah. Have you guys have you guys had any? So the question is, on Twitter we talk about the tripod police. When you bring out a tripod, suddenly your status changes and authorities can come and ask you to leave. Have you guys hit that here at all? We actually had it the other day. We were in an alley, and somebody came up and said, you're not allowed to shoot here. Um, now we were, it, signs clearly said no trespassing, and we were trespassing. So we, we said, <laughs> so uh, we did, after a few minutes, we did walk away, but then uh, the guy was pretty cool. He said, you know, I'm, you know, kind of joking around with you. But um, yeah, I think uh, you've got to be careful in the genre we're doing, where you're shooting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We were on the pedestrian bridge by the art school, mm -hmm. and uh, somebody came and asked, you can't use a tripod here. And one of the people in my photo walk just had the tripod folded up and attached to his camera and was holding it. He's like, sir, you can't use your tripod. I just want to be sure. That you he had to take it off of his camera and set it down. He's, did he do this? Like the <laughs> <laughs> he had a bow tie. He was very stealth about it. He didn't look like security at all. I don't have a problem. I use a platypod. There you go. Oh, What's a platypod, Scott? A platypod. Why didn't you ask? <laughs> Wait, can I do the commercial read first? Wait, okay. <laughs> Platypod is a little plate that you can put in your shirt pocket, less than the size of an iPhone, that if you put a little ball head on it, you can turn into a stable platform that you can tie to a tree, a fence post, anywhere you want. And I've used platypods in the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City. I've used them at the 9-11 the Memorial. I've Very used true. them yeah. places that you would never. I mean, if they even thought you had a tripod, they wouldn't let you in. So. There are ways around it. I hate the tripod police. It, it is a problem in a lot of places, particularly like Washington, D.C., where my business partner, Rich, lives. Everything's off limits. Um, you know, but there are there are techniques and tools now available to help you get around that. I'm sure someday they'll ban the platypod yeah, until absolutely. they figure out Any what it is. Any kind of stabilization on your camera is illegal. Right? <laughs> Any other questions? Yes. Um, I'd be interested anybody who would like to answer this about what you think about light field technology 
big blast a few years ago, and now it seems to have quieted down. So the, que the question is about Lytro and their light field technology. Is it still here, or is it going away? You guys know about Lytro and their light field technology? Scott? Well, the technology's been around for three decades. It's not exactly new. <laughs> it's based on some mathematical formulas that are three decades old. I don't think we'll see it applied the way that the Lytro camera was looking to do it. And when I talked with those guys when they first came, came out, I don't think they even really thought it would take off because of that. They see it more of a back-end application, software application. Uh, I think it'll probably be applied mostly in things like motion picture and science. Uh, and maybe in medical uh, imaging devices. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be something that we see in our lifetime that, that's necessarily uh, employed to avoid taking a picture in focus. I just prefer to focus. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because we, we did a show a while back with, and have, have, before they launched Elytra. Um, the founders and their direct then, I think he was VP or something, Eric Chang, uh, came on and we talked about light field technology. Uh, what it is for folks that don't know what light field technology is, it's when you, it's it's it, when you capture the light in a scene. Every photon in that scene is actually a straight line and bouncing and doing something else. In three D work, it's called ray tracing. So you create a scene and you say, yeah, that thing is opaque. That thing is translucent. You give the thing's material uh, surface dynamics, and then the light reacts a certain ways, and when you render the scene, it becomes realistic, because it's kind of representing what actual light looks like. Light field technology does that, and then measures everything in the scene, so that then later, I'm simplifying it, but the effect is you can focus at different points in the scene later, because it has captured all the light and how it's traveling in there. Uh, so they created their, their first camera, and no one bought it, you know, because it was like Scott said, people want to actually shoot. Why do you want to shoot and focus later? Uh, but then what they did, we, we recorded a show a couple of weeks ago. They've recently retooled and relaunched. And now they are no longer focusing on consumer. They're now focusing on, like Scott says, motion picture. So now they've taken that still photographic technology where you can click and focus later and applied it to motion picture, 4K, and 8K video capture. So now directors can go and shoot scenes, and then in the room, the cutting room, they can pick focus points and track focus over time after the film has been shot. So, and it's very expensive. In fact, the you know there's no price on the page, obviously, but it comes with a giant server and a human that comes to comes <laughs> <laughs> with a carbon-based life form to help you get it set up and going. So yeah, it's it's. I'm happy they're still here because it's interesting technology, but definitely not consumer-based anymore. Sir? This is the second year I've come to out of Chicago. Mm -hmm. It's the first photography-related conference I've ever come to. Mm -hmm. I know that several of you have been involved in photography-related conferences, some of them have been there. And I'd be interested to hear from the presenters how they perceive this, con or how they've reacted to this conference compared to other experiences they've had. Mm -hmm. Derek, you oh, I, I compared to other conferences, I love this conference uh, as a presenter for a couple of reasons, uh, and, and not to diss any conference because I actually enjoy most photography conferences, but for me anyway, the connection uh, between the speaker and the participant here is, is a lot tighter 
than a lot of other conferences I've been to. Uh, the only thing I've been uh, where I've taught where it's been as close as this is when you're on a cruise ship and you're physically trapped and you can't, you can't get away from but so you know uh, so I think the real strength of uh, of out of Chicago is uh, first of all Chris and company uh, picking the presenters that they pick I think they've done a great job with that uh, and then um, then having a I don't know. Is it something about the Midwest too? I mean, you, you know, guys are great to hang out with. So you know, so I think there's something there too. Yeah, I agree. It's very friendly, great vibe. Sometimes we go to these conferences and people are in a bad mood. I haven't met anybody in a bad mood at this conference. Uh, photography's supposed to be fun, and I got bad news for you. If it ain't fun for you, then you're in real trouble. Uh, this is a great group. Chris has got a real heart for this. He doesn't have any clue at how good he is at this. And, and uh, that might be one of the, let's give him a hand. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I, you know, I, I haven't accepted a lot of speaking engagements recently, but I hope and pray to get asked back here. Good. That's a testimony. Yeah. Do you guys have any um, thoughts we, to add? It's, it's awesome. I really like it. I mean, I haven't been to a lot of conferences, but um, I like the size. I, you get to talk with so many people. Um, yeah, it's, it's not like there are the, the speakers and the participants. I mean, we all mingle all the time. I mean, yeah. we go out at night, and mm -hmm. it's fun. Yeah, and people are approachable. That's really, you know, both the participants and the speakers, which is really nice. And, you know, you see people that you, you know, you've either followed online, you've followed just professionally, and then you see them in real life, and they're just real people. And it, it's not like they're kept aside, and there's something like on a, a pedestal, and I really like that. I agree with what, what everyone has said. Well, but I just, if I can just interrupt myself or you in a second, that, I echo that from a participant. Yeah. I think that's what makes it unique. Mm -hmm. and, and the pace is really good. There's a lot of conferences you go to where everyone, no one mingles because they're running to their next yeah. class. Yeah. They've got to get around the corner. They've got to go do their thing. And, and there's a lot of information and there's a lot of classes, but everybody has time to go have lunch together and then they come back for their classes and then everybody goes to dinner and uh, I think that's really unique and special about this. The, too. the down the down the down to earth nature is probably the biggest thing, but uh, some of the other conferences I've been to, like one first time I went to a different one we won't name, it's great and all, but I didn't leave the hotel. I brought all my gear the first time, never used it because it was all learning with in a big room with a instructor up on the stage and I never really talked to them. Uh, that's positive and everything, but here, uh, to quote Levi Sim, I believe he said it's the shootingest, shootingest conference. <laughs> so, when, when I said it out loud, I feel, not like I feel like he said something better. <laughs> but you're you're out shooting as much as you want. You can go to conference, you can go to sessions, and by the way, the sessions are small, intimate, however we want to say it. And so you, it's you, you get it's very personal. Um, but you're out and about on the streets, and that's the biggest thing. And when, last year when I came, I was. For anybody listening that's not from Chicago on the recording here, uh, wow! I didn't know. I didn't have any idea how much I would like Chicago. I haven't been here forever. It's friendliest, friendliest big city in America, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. yeah. Acts big in some ways and it's friendly at the same time. That's yeah. how that happens. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Chicago, my kind of town. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do it. Come on. It is your town. Right? It is my town. It is my town. All right, guys, I would normally do picks of the week, but I think we're just about out of time. And we will list all of your URLs on the, the blog post for this episode. So if the listening audience and the live audience wants to go check these guys out, just come to thisweekinphoto.com and search for... Pepper. No. 
What's your word you made up? Polycamorous. <laughs> TV production produced by Suzanne Llewellyn with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.